You're listening to Chops and Dogs Tuesday, June 9th? Already, man. Tuesday, June 9th. What's up, brother? Same old, man. How about you? Uh, not a whole lot. Not we got a, a special guy in studio today. Sammy Maniscalco is here. Live and in, in the flesh, dude. This is awesome. Sammy, thank you so much for stopping by, dude. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm this is huge. It. It's huge. He's sitting right next to us, you know, former Illini. Bradley Point Guard. I was I was wondering if he was even a real person at this point. He's right? been on so many times. I just tried I, I just tried getting him outside to play a little one on one. I told him I'd give him what twenty up to twenty one. Yeah, oh, right. Geez. This guy would smoke the shit out of me. He, yeah, yeah. I'm sure that. I'm sure that. Sam, what do you think, man? We got the finals on, getting ready to get uh, started. Uh, newsflash, right? LeBron can't beat these guys by himself, can he? No. I mean, I think you got to look at the role players, especially in Cleveland. Um, those guys on the road. Um, weren't as good as I don't, I don't think they were in the first two series of the playoffs. And I think now, um, especially with getting a win and splitting in Golden State, I think those guys have some confidence now. You hear all the talk about Dele. All, every media outlet you put on is about Dele Vidova, you know. Right. So he's going to have some confidence. Um, Shumpert going to have some confidence. J.R. Smith needs a big game. Everybody's talking about him trying to have a big game. Um, so I think your role players may play better in Cleveland. Um you know, like we were talking about, every single possession is so important in the NBA Finals, and every single possession is going through LeBron. Um, is that going to hold up over a seven-game series? I don't know. That's I, tough, Sammy. I mean, like we like we talked about, LeBron gets the ball every possession, and it's like, okay, LeBron, dribble, dribble, do your thing, put him in the post, create for someone, and then either do your thing, which he's unbelievable at. The guy is just getting the – the cross-court pass he made to J.R. Smith at the last game when J.R. Smith hit that three. Nobody can make that pass in the NBA besides LeBron. But can they do it over seven games? I, I think the biggest thing with, with having the ball in his hands, at least from the Cavs' point of view, is he's controlling the tempo of the game then, as you really saw in game two. Um, you know, he's operating at a, at a pace where um, – He's kind of dictating tempo. He's dictating what shots they're getting. He's dictating if he's getting inside, if he's shooting a jumper, um, getting to the free throw line. Those are all instances that keeps Golden State out of transition. Um, and, and I think the other thing that the Cavs are doing so well is is they're beating them up physically. I mean, plus 10 on the boards last game. Um, I mean, if you see a plus 10 on the boards again tonight, I don't, I don't think Golden State has a chance because that limits these guys, especially the offensive, that limits these guys from getting in transition. Um, so... He's he's got a complete hold on on the tempo of the series right now. Can that change? Absolutely. I mean, I think Golden State comes out tonight with with a, a major punch in the face. You know, can the Cavs withstand it? If they can withstand it, and that first initial jab that that or haymaker, I should say, that Golden State's going to throw them, I think then they settle in, and, and I think they they have a nice shot at winning. Right on. Um, when you when you when you look at this series. I, I, I was thinking about this on the on the way to work, and this is what I do. I got a long commute, right? <laughs> so, like, I, I'm not a LeBron James fan, right? I, I'm old school. Most of us grew up watching Jordan, right? So I got kind of a little sour grapes over LeBron and the comparison. I don't know that it's a, a fair comparison. I was thinking about it on my part. I'm like, this isn't fair. This guy's one of the greatest athletes of this or any generation, really. Um, are we missing out? Like, uh, us people that compare him to Jordan and are constantly doing that um, – if if Cleveland wins this series, is this one of the greatest one of the greatest athletic performances of all time? I would think so. And to answer your first question with the with the, the LeBron Jordan comparisons, I think you're absolutely right in the fact that um, 
it's kind of doing LeBron a disservice by comparing him to Jordan every single thing he does. He's his own player. He's got his own mold. He plays the game differently than Jordan did. And it makes people take him for granted because everything the guy does mm-hmm. on the floor is compared to Jordan. And it, and it takes away from the fact that we're witnessing. Like, I'm a LeBron fan, but I take an unbiased view when I watch basketball, especially NBA. And I think we're witnessing greatness. Um, and I think a lot of people are – doing themselves a disservice at what they're watching because they're constantly putting them on a pedestal with Jordan. Um, and then to answer your second question, I think this would be his greatest accomplishment, no doubt about it, um, taking this team to the finals and then if he goes ahead and, and, and beats this Golden State team. Um, just, just because of the circumstances. You know, Kevin Love out, you know, all the, the hoopla of him coming back in Cleveland this summer, leaving Miami, you know, restoring his image, and Love goes down. First, Love comes over. Then Love goes down in the first round of the playoffs. Now, can LeBron do it? Are they done? Oh, he takes him to the finals. Now Kyrie goes down after the first game. You know, <laughs> it's ridiculous. so I think with all that and all that adversity, David Blatt, first-year coach, throw all that in there. I think this would be his his single greatest accomplishment. Yes, for him individually, he's pretty much coaching, right, LeBron? You know, I mean, I think he's so cerebral and his basketball IQ is is so high that. I think he's making a lot of decisions out there, as are other players. I mean, Jordan did the same thing. Pippen did the same thing. Yeah. Kobe did the same thing. You know, Tony Parker, Ginobili, and Duncan are, you know what I mean? Those guys out on the court, they understand the game. They understand the rhythm. They understand the ups and downs. They understand the tempo. Um, th- where the coaching comes in, I think, is in the locker room after the game. Um, keeping these guys positive, you know, saying the right things, bulletin board material, stuff like that, I think, is where Black comes in. And he's done a nice job. I'm going to give the guy credit. Mm-hmm. I mean, because cause as, as people want to say it, easy it is to coach LeBron, it's almost, look at it the other way. It's not so easy to coach super megastars like that. One, because no. of their egos. Right. You know, two, because the media. I mean, look what comes along with LeBron. The, the media attention it's a he gets. It's, it's a circus act. And Blatt, I thought, I think for, for what he's done this year, I think he's done an exceptional job of dealing with all that adversity, all that media attention, all that circus, and still staying even keel, still staying even keel, and, and, uh, and, and going along with the flow, and look where they're at now in the finals. You listen to Chalks and Dogs. Sammy Maniscalco is in the house today, live with us in person. Uh, let's flip it to Golden State. We talked about this earlier as well. Jump shooting team, Sam. It's hard to win four, I guess, four out of seven. Do they got to do something differently, or do they just got to stick to the script? You know, that's interesting. I think that's the biggest question because, you know, we had talked about it before, too. It, it, your game plan against LeBron, um, which I think they did really well in the first game and, and got a little bit away from it in the second half of the second game, is to make him a scorer. Not let him score, but you want him, you know, what? if he gets 40 like he did, um, you know, and, and you keep J.R. Smith at bay, you keep Iman Shumpert at bay, you keep Mozgov doesn't get 17-11, you know, you keep those guys at bay, I think you got a shot at winning. Um, because I think when he's at his best – Here's the thing with LeBron right now. He's so dangerous because he's not worried about his field goal percentage. You know, right. when you when you he when you talk care. about yeah. LeBron, here's the way I put it. You're getting full blown LeBron right now, and by that I mean his first ten, especially his last five or six years in the league. He was so such an efficient player, and everybody talked about, oh, he's not Jordan. He's more of Magic. You know, oh, well, he's got to be Jordan. Well, he's more Magic. You know, he likes to distribute. Well, he needs to be Jordan. Well, what Jordan would do, what Kobe would do in a Finals game when he had to win, he'd go put up 35 shots. Right. Go look at the box scores. Jordan shooting 40 times, Kobe shooting 38 times, because that's what they do to win. You know, now you're getting it from LeBron because he has to he do has it. He has no other choice. He's got to empty the clip, and he doesn't care about field goal percentage and. For an opponent, 
I think that's pretty darn scary because he's found it, found a way to, to do that. And he's so great, and he's so good with his instincts. He's such a good basketball player that he, 98% of the time he makes the right play that he still finds a way to get his teammates involved too. So LeBron not worrying about shooting 35 times a game I think is a scary, scary thing for the opponent. Yeah. Oh, but it's the geez. first time we've seen it. It's the first time we've seen it. Think about it. Yeah, he, no, he don't, These he numbers he's putting up, these field goal attempts, he doesn't, he, all you hear about is yeah. it's, this, it's the first and second time he's ever done it. You yeah, know? He, doesn't, he doesn't like to play like that. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. So Steph Curry um, – Go ahead, Dave. Is there a more likable guy than Steph Curry right now? Maybe it's because LeBron can be so hateable, but Steph Curry Steph, well, is Steph like brings out his his daughter to the press uh, press conferences. <laughs> That's I like I like that. Barkley doesn't like it. I, I think that shows shows family first, you know, and 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 that's the way I feel. But uh, go ahead, Dave. You had something. I was going to say, like, is there any is there anybody more likable right now than Steph Curry? He he kind of reminds me of. The aura that that uh, D Rose had maybe four years ago. Um, do you think it's warranted, or do you think you need a good guy and a bad guy in the NBA Finals? I think it's perfect. I think that's a perfect way to put it too. Is is Steph Curry is very likable. Um, you know, he's does the th- right things off the court. Um, he's a heck of a player to watch. The way he shoots the ball, he carries himself the right way. He comes from the NBA mold with his dad. Um, you know, being in the NBA, so he, he's been around it before. Um, he says the right things. I think, like you said, with his daughter and the press, I think that's good stuff. I mean, that's good stuff for the fans to see. That's good stuff for the NBA. It presents a good image. Um, in LeBron, yeah. I mean, is he the bad guy? Yeah, absolutely, because of, of you know, the attention he gets and stuff like that. But he's also another guy that, if you look at it, I mean, he hasn't done anything bad off the court. He's a family guy. You know, he's not, quote, unquote, you know, a yeah. bad guy. But I do think that for the drama of the NBA and stuff like that, I think it's a perfect scenario. You got Steph Curry, MVP, first time. You got LeBron coming back to Cleveland. It's been hated the last four years. You know, people, there's there's a large percentage and a large market out there that's watching the NBA Finals for one reason, to see LeBron lose. There's right. no doubt about that. So I think that um, plays in well with the fact that they'd love to, those people that don't like, want to see LeBron lose would love to like a superstar like Steph Curry. Absolutely, yeah. Th- does Steph have to get to the rim more tonight? You know, I... I think, you know, like you said, you know, them being a jump shooting team, I think he's got to attack more. I think when they're at their offense's best is when the ball's moving, they're dribble penetrating, they're getting guys in closeout situations. Here's the thing. Cleveland right now has got a hold on these guys defensively. If you look off the ball in the game two, Delavadova, J.R. Smith, Iman Shumpert, they're attached to these guys' body. And as a defender, you know how it is. You want to be – when you're guarding a shooter, you're guarding a guy that has a quick release, that can score at any given time. You know, doesn't need to be on balance. You're leaving them. You can't, you can't, you can't disconnect from them because you're going to lose them, and the next thing you know, you know, balls in the basket. So I think in game two they did such a good job of staying close to this bo- to, on these guys' bodies that it kind of wore these guys out on Golden State a little bit. They got a little bit away from what they're doing. They, they want a little bit more isolation. I'm gonna, I'm gonna create off the dribble instead of hey, ball movement, get the ball moving, dribble drive, jump stop, kick out. Now you got Cleveland in closeout situations. A lot harder to guard a guy in a closeout situation than it is attached to his body face up, squared up, you know what I mean? So I think getting back to their ball movement, reversals, getting guys in closeout situations, pull-up jump shots, stuff like that will create a better rhythm for them offensively. Do you see any adjustments tonight that they're going to make? Maybe seeing Livingston more? Do you think Lee gets any tick? Is there anything that that Kerr might have to do differently? Do you think he just sticks to the uh, script as well? You know, I think he might have to go smaller a little earlier um, just because of Mozgov presents a challenge for Bogut. Um, whether he's going to do that or not, I don't know. I also think Draymond Green's a big player in this series. Um, he hasn't really played that well as far as his, his production, his numbers. 
Um, and he hasn't made a three yet. And if you see when he catches the ball, most of the time, nobody's within 10 feet from him for a reason. You think and, you think he's that good of a shooter, though? No, I don't think he's good of, good of a shooter, but if he shoots three of them and makes one of them, then they got to honor him. You know, true. So right now they're not rotating to him. They're letting him. If you see all his drives to the basket are are straight line drives. You know, the, no traffic and Mozgov standing there like this, and he's trying to make a play. You know, if you're the Cavs, it's like, hey, go ahead. Draymond Green's got the ball. You got to make a play. Go for it. The ball's out of Clay Thompson's hand. The ball's out of Steph Curry's hand. Advantage right. Cavs. You know, so. I think he's got to be a little more assertive as far as, hey, a couple times he caught the ball and guys weren't five feet from him and he still put his head down and went. If he makes a three, makes two threes, now Cleveland's got to adjust. Or what are you going to do now? You know what I mean? you got to guard him. That opens up somebody else. So I think that's something to pay attention to. But I think the biggest thing is they got to compete with him on the boards, especially at home. You know, If they compete with him on the boards and match their physicality, I think Golden State gives themselves a chance. Who do you like tonight before this game is about to tip off? It's about to tip off any second now. We're Chalks and Dogs. We're talking to Sam Maniscalco. Follow him at Twitter. At Sam Maniscalco. Great follow, guys. So before this uh, tips off, we're right here. We're watching it. About tipping in a couple minutes. Can you give us a prediction? Um, It's so tough, this one. But I, I think first game home, I, I think LeBron realizes, if you look at last year's finals, you know, losing that game three to the Spurs, kind of, that was it. You know, they did the same thing last year. They won the first, second game in, in San Antonio. It's like, ooh, you know, Miami's got the advantage now. Spurs came back and, and smoked them in game three, um, which decided the series. I think... I don't know if LeBron lets that happen tonight. You know, I think yeah. he realizes the importance of what a game three means. So, um, I think Golden State's going to play a lot better. But I, I'm going to go. I'm going to go with the Cavs tonight. All right. I'm going to go with the Cavs by four. Wow. It's tough, dude. It's tough. You know what? I who are you going, Dave? I got to go with the Cavs at home for sure, for sure. But the thing I the thing I worry about is Golden State's depth. Um, you know, again, we were talking about it. LeBron can't beat these guys by himself. Um, is he going to be able to get to get enough help to get the job done? Um, Steve Kerr right now looks like a genius to a point. Um, but You're going to go Cavs? I got to go Cavs, dude. I got to go Cavs at home. Because Sammy took Wisconsin and he had his Wisconsin pick. Sammy took. Bottom line, uh, yeah, I, the, I'm just the, saying I'm going to go with whatever Cavs, Sam goes. Yeah, exactly. And then he said Hoiberg's going to be the next coach and Hoiberg's the next yeah. coach. Um, God, do I make it a trifecta? I like the Cavs at home tonight. To it's a tough game. I'll 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 rock with LeBron. I'm gonna take the I'm gonna take Golden State still still in the series. I don't think LeBron can do it for seven games. We talked about it. I, I he logged 44 minutes. He logged 50 minutes. He gets the ball every single time down the court. He dribbles. He dribbles. He gets in the post, and they all have to play around him. I just can't see that winning a finals. What, what am I th- am I wrong? What do you What do you think, Sam? If you're coaching. <laughs> If you're coaching the Cavs right now, what is what is your game Aren't plan you exa- going into this? Sam, you're, you played at the high, you played at a high, high, high level. You came down and dribbled for the whole time. In care, I know LeBron's just an animal, but doesn't it just exhaust you? Here's the thing. I mean, that's a very popular opinion as far as you know that people are watching that. That's definitely something to watch to see if LeBron breaks down. But I will say that if there's anybody built for this, Tim, it's him. He's an animal. You know, so. Um, He's been there before. He's 285 pounds. It's ridiculous. But it's definitely, definitely something to watch. You know, a lot of people are saying that, and it's it's valid. I mean, you want to see what happens um, in game in a game six and a game seven down the stretch. I think Cleveland tonight, obviously, you know, their game plan is, is to come out and be physical and, and uh, play through LeBron and get these role players going. But I think their overall game plan in the series is to get to a game seven with LeBron. Yeah. You know, 
LeBron saying, hey, give me a game seven, you know, and, and I'll take care of it. Um, it it's going to be very interesting to watch. What, is, what, what happens to LeBron's image or legacy if he loses this? Uh, if he loses, um, I think he gets a little bit of a pass, to be honest with yeah, you. Yeah, I do you too. You know, just because of the fact that Kyrie and Love are out. Um, if he wins this. But if he wins it, it's, it's, I think it's, oh, it's game over. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's you really start hearing the Jordan-LeBron legacy comparisons. Right. I, I don't like the Jordan-LeBron player comparison because they're completely different players. And I could talk about this for hours. They're right. completely so different can, players. So can I, though. But I agree. The, you know, everybody's going to pair legacy, you know. And he'll have three. He'll be three and three. Jordan will have six, six and oh. Nobody's getting Jordan as far as his six and oh. His, his standard of greatness, his standard of excellence, nobody's ever getting that. The guy was the ultimate competitor and ultimate winner. But this guy's body of work, um, you know, and the thing is, if he wins it this year, Love and Kyrie are back. I mean, are they the biggest favorites in the history of NBA basketball next year? I would think they have to be. You know, I mean, is it? I mean, are they the biggest favorites probably of all, if if you want to look at the maybe 96, 97 Bulls might have been, you know, or the back back Lakers and stuff, you know. (laughs) Following that 72 and 10 years is what I'm saying. They're probably maybe the biggest. This is, if they win it this year, this this might be right there. Yeah. So um, it'll be interesting. Very interesting. Cavs are coming out smoking right now. Up 4-0. Curry just hits a bomb of a 3-4-3. We're talking to Sam Maniscalco. Um, let's not get off the subject. I just want to hear your take on... I'm going to throw a Bulls question out there for you while, while we're talking NBA. Um, I'm a huge Bulls fan. Dave, I believe, is a huge Bulls fan as well. Absolutely. So, do they need... To, I know the, with the cap and it's hard to make moves and do whatever. Um they needed to make that move, Sam. They needed to get Hoiberg in. But people are saying, okay, you know, he's going to bring a new offense, he's going to bring a new offense. Don't they need to get another player or two to, to, to get on the outside and run with Derrick Rose? I know Jimmy Butler's going to be able to run with him, but with Gasol and Noah's on one leg and his bone on bone, his knee, maybe go, going out and getting an, an athletic wing. Who, 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 who's the athletic wing, though? That, that would be that, the question. That is the question, but don't you think they need to make a move to go get someone like that, the Bulls? I would agree. Um, like, you know, like you mentioned, I, I think the Hoiberg move was great. I think it, you know, Thibodeau was stale and it needed to be made. They needed a refresher. Um, but I, I do think the roster needs to change, and I think the roster needs to change because of one guy, and it's the guy we're watching right now in the East for the next five years. You know, I think that's their biggest problem, and it, it's reality is what it is. You know, the East is going to run through him. It has the last five years, and it's going to probably for the next five, you know, barring anything crazy happen with injuries. So um, I think the Bulls are capable. I think they got a great core of Rose, Gasol, and, and Butler. I think Jimmy Butler's is – I mean, he's a he's a stud. He's an absolute stud. He grew on me a lot this year, um, especially his performance in the playoffs too. I mean, to be able to go do that and then score 20 points. Um, but I do think they need somebody else to, to, to get him over the top. Because I think, like you said, Noah's Noah's peaked already. Noah peaked a year, yeah. two years ago. Yeah. You know, he's he's going nowhere but down from here. I um, think Rose peaked. Yeah, I mean, Rose ago. is never going to be what he was in 2011 again either, right? right. So and Gasol helps a lot tremendously, um, but I, I do think that their roster needs to change. You know, Heinrich's done. Done. You know, Dun- is, do you want Dunleavy <laughs> as your starting two? You know, in, in a deep in a playoff series. You know I, what I mean? I was surprised those guys were you still know. playing basketball when they got signed by the Bulls. Ta- Taj Gibson, what's he? You know, I think he's very valuable, but I mean, what's his ceiling? Where's you know what I mean? He's got no hands. Yeah, you got to figure out. You know, you got to get a guy in there. Um, I think to 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 shore up that roster. I think Hoiberg's system is going to be completely different. It's going to be a whole different brand of basketball, which I think Bulls fans are going to like because I think they're going to score more. He's more of an offensive mind. That's what I was going to say. What what, do you, what are we going to see? From yeah, what do you Hoiberg? know from? Yeah, what do you know about him college wise? Um, he runs an NBA system. Um, um, I know that. I know he's a player's coach. Um, 
he recruited me a little bit when he was at Iowa State. He's got a great personality, um, and I think that's you know the biggest thing that that I like from a from a outside outside in you know looking in standpoint um, is that he's going to be able to relate to the players. You know, as far as I think he's got to earn Butler and Rose's respect because then I think it's a trickle down domino effect. You know, right. so um, but he's a players' coach. You know, players like that. A guy that's telling him what to do or is preaching something to him has been there before, has done it, has went through the grind with them, has failed before, has succeeded, has you know been so up and down and went through all those ups and downs and wars. You know, it's just a certain feeling as a player to know, hey, you know, this guy's not BSing us because he's been there and he's done it. You Absolutely, know, yeah. so it's a good feeling. It's kind of like a foxhole type feeling. Um, and there's great players, coaches, and then there's other guys that aren't never played that are great at it too. You know, there's no really rhyme or reason or, or secret formula to it. Um, it's just you either have it or you don't. And I think he's a guy that does have it. You know, not only his playing experience and his coaching experience at Iowa State, but he was four years in the front office at Minnesota. So he knows wild. the business of of NBA. He knows the ins and outs. He knows the personalities. He knows the egos. Um, and I think that's a very important factor uh, to be a successful coach in the NBA or to be successful as a player, coach, or, or exa- anything in the NBA. You have to have some kind of experience. Totally, yeah. It's, I think that was they had to make a move. We talked about Tibbet Hall. Yeah, yeah. He, I th- I think he, ran, it, like, he ran his course. Sammy put it great. I mean, it, it was stale. I mean, he's a great coach, and I think, uh, I think you know, you get to a point where you lose the team. Um, I think that became more evident after they let Thibodeau go. Like news started coming out that, you know, guys were – you know, guys in the locker room were not on his side, and that that becomes an issue when you when you're on a team. Um, but my problem is, is I don't know if I'm going to be able to let Hoiberg get past screwing up my bracket. <laughs> you're still talking about your I know, bracket. I know it really screwed me. I up. thought they were going to the final four last year. Yeah, I know. Dude, this guy he talks about his bracket every week. Ohio State know, with his shirt on. <laughs> that guy is going to be a stud, though, D'Angelo Russell. Yeah, I like him a lot. So yeah, what what about draft? Uh, Okafor, Russell. Who who do you think is going to be the best NBA player out of those? You know, who I, else I you haven't got? seen enough of. I haven't seen enough of any of these guys to be honest. Uh-huh. But um, I, you know, Okafor is so big. He's got great hands. You know, I haven't seen enough of Towns to really make an, a very educated. You know, I do like Russell. I saw him a few times, and um, I like his court savvy. I like his feel for the game. I like that he's lefty. Um, he reminds me of a little bit of James Harden. Now I'm not comparing him to James Harden because James Harden is a top five player in the league. I said that uh, second, or third, but he's yeah, got that episode. that that six five lefty point guard skill. Put the ball on the floor, can pass. You know, pretty looking jump shot. You know, he's got the skills. You know, whether a lot or whether or not that translates to that next level in the NBA. Um, I, I think he's actually got an NBA game. You know, I think he he's the kind of guy that needs like James Harden. You just spread out court, you know, where you have room to operate and make plays. Um, and I think he did that for Ohio State. The college game, it's so hard to tell whether a guy really translates into right. an NBA player in the college game because it's so packed. It's you know, there's no much, there's not there's not as much free flowing. You know what I mean? So uh, I think it's going to be interesting to see how how some of these guys translate over. But I think he's a guy that has an NBA game and. Um, We'll train. There's another guy named Emmanuel Moutier, who I haven't seen a ton of, but I, I, I've seen some of him. He's kind of like a Kobe, a poor man's Kobe with athleticism, size, can shoot, can put the ball on the deck. So uh, it, it'll be interesting. All I can say is I, I'm just <laughs> I'm probably making weird faces because I'm looking at the I'm looking at the time because I'm going to cut that, and when that guy becomes a player, we're going to say Sammy called it again. <laughs> yeah. This other guy nobody ever heard of. So <laughs> no, I love it. Um, 
if 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 we're looking, and I'm an Ohio State fan, but I haven't seen a lot of people come out of the Big Ten and really make an impact in the NBA. So I get I get a little nervous when I when I hear guys coming out of the Big Ten as, as high draft picks. Um, if you were Fred Hoiberg or if you were Pax or Gar, what would you be looking for in the draft? Where where do you think where do where do we need to what holes do we need to fill? Um, I, I think you need a um, well. Dunleavy, two, three. I don't know what he is. Um, I think you need somebody. I think he's a. I think he's a bench guy. You know, I really yeah. do. I mean, he's he's a great player. Don't get me wrong. You know, I'm not taking anything away from him. But I think on a championship level team, he's a perfect seventh man. You know, seventh right. or eighth man coming off the bench can make shots. You know, you play him 35 minutes. You know, he's. I think he gets a little bit exposed. So, I think you're looking at another athlete transition guy. You know, but here's the thing, they got Tony Snell. You know. I, and they didn't even play him. Right. What is he? That's that's what that's what everybody wants to find out. And I think you'll get a good shot now because Hoiberg's going to use him. Right. He's going to utilize a guy that I think is is athletic. He's got a body. He's really long. He can move. <clears throat> he can shoot. You know, that's transition. That stuff all bodes well for transition. Absolutely. You know? yeah. And then you got McDermott, who who I think is they got to play him. Highly skilled guy who. And I would agree with you, E. He, he, he's a guy that's got to get minutes. He's yeah. got to learn the ins and outs of the NBA. He's got to learn the physicality. He's got to learn because he's so smart and so crafty that he'll, he'll figure it out. He'll find his niche, you know. Then you got Mirchich. So their roster, besides your Heinrich, your Dunleavy, your Gibson, I think, that's a, that's a heck of a roster that, that Fred Hoiberg is walking into. Right. It's just like we said, two things. One, I think they got to get better in transition. And the other thing is the guy we're watching right now, you know. Right. they got a guy that guards him, Jimmy Butler, but – you it's know, just a matter with, of with McDermott. His big thing was defensively. Who cares if he has a couple defensive breakdowns, right? Well, that's Tibbs. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the personality well, and that's the culture that Tibbs created. And he's that's just he's a he's a hard headed coach who's a unbelievable defensive mind. That he if you don't guard or you can't guard or you're a mismatch, you're not going to play unless you can score thirty points a game. If you can score thirty points, right. then I don't think the defense really matters. But if you can't guard, and I don't know if McDermott can't guard. Is he mismatched out there sometimes? Yeah, absolutely. But like I said, the more minutes he plays, I think the more he'll figure it out and find his niche. Yeah. The, you can hide him. Yeah. Well, that's the thing I wonder. It's like you get a guy like McDermott or Tony Snell. Like these guys, I mean, you, you played you played basketball at a, at a high level, right? So how important is it for you as a player to be able to get out there, get some minutes, and get into a rhythm? Huge. I would agree. It's huge, and I think he had that opportunity early on, and, and Thibodeau, you know, didn't really like what he saw, and then obviously the injury that didn't help, you yeah. know, with his knee. So once, and right before the injury, he was kind of, you know, kind of slipping out of the rotation and whatnot. Then when the, once the injury hit, you know how hard it's got to be, not just Thibodeau's roster, but or Thibodeau's um, um, lineup, you know, his rotation to, to crack into his when you're out of it, but any NBA rotation yeah, really yeah, to, to, once you're out of it to crack back into it especially when you're trying to compete for a championship that's tough to do yeah i mean just ask tony snell or somebody like that who gets who gets these teases where he gets minutes and and does good things and um he just can't stick so that's the nature of the nba that's the nature of of, of thibodeau system the last few years um he either trusts you or you don't i mean he he it was very evident he trusted Kirk Heinrich and he didn't trust those guys. You know, it's, um, it's, it's you know what we don't know we weren't at practice every day yeah right but at the same time you know it makes you wonder what you know what went wrong there. And to get back to what Dave, what you were saying, like as a shooter, like when you get spot minutes, as like here's two minutes here, I'm gonna throw you in for two more minutes over here, Dave. That's the worst. It's it's horrible as a shooter. No rhythm. None. 
And then you're, if you miss one, you're looking over at Tibbs. Right. If you're not a sniper, and you're, especially if you're more of a volume guy, you know right. what I mean? If you're a guy that comes in and, like, every shot you take has got a chance of going in, yeah. that's one thing, you know, to get spot minutes here or there. But if you're more of a volume guy, you know, that needs to get four or five, six shots up to shoot 50% or, or 10, 12, 14 shots up, it's hard to do that in spurts like that. Yeah. Um, so, Bulls, interesting, man. I, I think, like I said, um, I think it's a good move. I think it's going to be a different brand of basketball, and I think I'm actually looking forward to watching and seeing what he does with this roster. Um, but I think one key thing to look at, like we mentioned, is Derrick Rose, Jimmy Butler. Do they buy in Fred Hoiberg and his system? Do they? If they do, I think big things can happen. Um, if they don't, who knows? You know, they might be Eastern Conference semis or finals and out again. You know, right. you, you just don't know. I still think they're the second best team in the East. Yeah, I mean, I would agree roster wise, no doubt about it. Um, you know, I think they would have beaten Atlanta in a seven-game series as well. You know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't see anybody in the East contending with with them or the Cavs. But I think their biggest, obviously, their biggest hurdle is these guys, especially biggest. with, like I said, if these guys win it this year, the confidence they're going to have next year, having been through it before and already won it. I mean, these role players are going to turn into m- it's monsters it's as ridiculous. far as you know. But th- but that can be that can also be. You know, I was watching that Clutch City documentary on NBA TV last night, the <laughs> Houston Rockets one, yeah, yeah, and yeah. and Kenny Smith made a point. You know, after we won it the first year. We, they were horrible the next year. They were a six seed. Right. And it's because – and I don't know how they got to the championship after all those, uh, after all those um, you know, elimination games they faced. But coming back after winning a championship, you know, your role players, those guys are in the media. Those guys are getting attention. Those guys are now, you know, almost stars. So, you know, how do you go from there? How do you control those egos and, and turn it into, you know, staying hungry and keeping that motivation? How do you keep that hunger and not being satisfied? That's the thing, I think. All right, you listen to Chalks and Dogs, where Sam Maniscalco is in studio. Sam, you, you want to stay for a couple minutes talk to Tommy Levitino? Absolutely. He's on the line. Tommy from Loyola Academy, head, head men's basketball coach. Hey. What's up? What's going on, guys? How are you? Good. Sammy's in the house with us today. Sammy Maniscalco, you want to say hi to him? Hey, Sammy. How are you? Coach, what's going on? How are you? I'm good. Loved watching you play in high school and college and big fan of your dad as well. Appreciate that. Thank you. All right. Well, we were talking. Uh, we were talking NBA Finals. Um, saw a couple uh, tweets you put out there. Let's get into it a little bit um, as the Cavs are uh, up a little bit tonight. What did you? Uh, what have you been seeing out of the Cavs that you like? What have you been seeing out of Golden State that maybe you don't like? Uh, Della Vadova. I know he could definitely play for you. Um, so, yeah. so what, I mean, what's your thoughts? I'm, I'm, I'm not a I'm not a full time NBA watcher. I don't I don't watch the NBA until the playoffs come. I much prefer watching college basketball. But um, I mean, this Cavs team to me is just a a grindy group of guys. Obviously, they got LeBron and, and, and a bunch of kind of cast offs and some guys that just really play hard. If it's on the glass with Tristan Thompson or if it's Garden with Della Vadova. You know, Shumpert's uh, revitalized as a stopper, and um, I mean, they're down two all stars, and they're you know they're about to go up two one, I think. So uh, that's pretty special. I think it speaks a lot, a, a whole lot to LeBron. I mean, he's a grown man, but I think he's grown up a lot. Actually, um, you know, he's not settling even tonight. He's he took maybe one one rough shot, one fadeaway, but he's attacking the basket and he's guarding at a high level. But I think I think the biggest thing about him that's different. Uh, maybe it's not different. Maybe it's, I just don't follow it enough. But his leadership is is pretty amazing. I've read a lot of stuff lately about him, and I'm just really impressed. Uh, I didn't realize he was that kind of guy. And he's, uh, you know, he's getting these guys to believe, play hard, and buy in, and they're doing some amazing stuff. 
Coach, if you're Steve Kerr in this situation, how do you guard a guy like him? I mean, do you do you let him operate and try to get his own? Do you shut down the role players, or how do you, if you were coaching the Warriors, what kind of adjustments would you make against LeBron? Yeah, I think I think that you know the one thing that I would that kind of disagree with what they're doing. I think they're just giving them one look. I don't think they're mixing up any of the looks. I mean, they're pretty much playing them. Pretty much playing them straight up. They're letting them kind of get his. They they want to kind of force them into shooting jump shots, but that's not really working. And and I, I think you got to double him at some point in time, especially when he looks like he's going to attack. If he's going to be passive and shoot jump shots, then you then you single him up. But if if he's going to be in attack mode, you, you, I think you got to get the ball out of his hands. And you know, obviously they got some guys that can make shots. You know, right now, I mean, I think. Uh, you know, obviously J.R. Smith's very, very capable. Um, but besides that, you know, on the floor right now they got two bigs. Um and Delavadova who can knock down an open shot. But I think they've just been I just think they've been giving him one look. I mean, I would I would sort of maybe even they don't run a ton of ball screen, but if they did, I might double it to get it out of his hands. I mean, I think eventually you got to have the best player in the world not beat you. Um so I think I think they've just been singular in how they're trying to stop them, and, and it's not like it's not like Cleveland runs a bunch of stuff to get them open. I mean they're running isolation right now. It's you know anyone can draw this up in a little ball screen with Delhi, but I mean he's in attack mode, um, and I think you I think eventually you got to make him give it up instead of finishing at the rim. Coach, um, I think the most surprising thing I've seen in this series is the fact that there's this many people that are in Cleveland right now. Have you been to Cleveland before? <laughs> I've, I've never been, and I don't plan on going. One of our assistant coaches, Brian Murphy, uh, who's been with us for a long time, is from Cleveland, and he's a fanatic. So he's in he's in seventh heaven. Um, I don't think I don't think Cleveland's ever been this popular with anybody. So um, you know, good for them. If there, uh, if, hey, if there was a golf course or a casino, we'd be there, right? Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. I, you know, it's always it's always time for a good road trip. Um, <laughs> Certainly not in, in, in the winter, uh, but yeah. No, I've never been there. Have you guys been there? No, I, I was once, and I don't think any. I don't think I saw another human being in downtown <laughs> Cleveland. But, um, <laughs> coach, if, since we got we got an X's nose guys, we got X's nose guys. We got Sammy. We got we got coach. Um, for a dummy like me, explain the isolation offense with LeBron running it a little bit. What 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 do you, what are you trying to accomplish besides just getting him uh, in open space? I think that's really what they're trying to accomplish. I mean, right now they're running some back screen into a ball screen, really simple, simplistic stuff. I mean, I think my only fault with, I guess, what Cleveland does offensively is I think that they they could they could get to the same result if they just ran a little ball movement and a little player movement and then isolated them. And at least you got the decent defense to move and shift, and you know they're they're, they're actually moving. Um, but they're not really they're not coming at them with any help, and they're still making them. You know, making them beat him one on one. So, I think I, I just don't think what they're. I, I think they can be simplistic because you know, they're not really doing anything to, you know, to to, to make it difficult for him. Um, that, that's what I see. I mean, I, I liked in the last game when they started, you know, um, setting setting different ball screens. You know, getting personnel mixed mix, uh, matchups. You know, they would try to get stuff. Garden LeBron one on one on the switch, but he was guarding Dova Dova. Um, you know, I think there's some stuff that they can do, but I think pretty much what they do, what I've seen is, is they do pretty much what LeBron wants to do. Um, I think it's 
of all the teams I think I've ever watched, this is the most player-driven team ever, uh, even in the NBA when they all are. But, I mean, I think what he wants, he gets, and I think he probably deserves it. Now, um, looking at this series and Steph Curry, what he did the last game, as a shooter coach, do you think he's got to get it to the rim more uh, during this game tonight, or you think he just plays his game and, you know, jacks him up? Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, it, completely on the flip of the script, I mean, I love what Golden State does offensively and what they run. I mean, it's just more, you know, it's fluid. It's, it, they run great stuff. They get, you know, guys open. They, you know, they just ran a, a downstream for a slip. I, I don't think that they need to, that Steph needs to change anything that he's doing. He had an off-shooting night. You know, he had a kid that played him really, really tough. Get an off shooting night. I'm in awe of him and watching him. What he does off the dribble, off you know, pull up game, three point game, get to the basket, passer. I'm in absolute awe. You know, guys are going to have bad nights. The other guys get paid too. So I mean, um, I, I don't think he needs. I don't think they need to change much. In my opinion, I think they run good stuff. I think this is. I think they're they're in trouble though. I mean, this is a great crowd at Cleveland. They're jacked up. They believe. LeBron's got them believing. They're 1-1 one, one on the road. So I think they're, they're, it's going to be tough, but, you know, I, I think they got I think they got every set they need for Steph to do what he does. And, you know, right, right there makes a great pass. And I don't think they need to change much. I think Steph just had a bad night. I mean, right, Sammy, if you're, if you're, if you're in a rough night, the best thing you can keep doing is keep getting good shots and shooting. Yeah, I would agree. I think, you know, especially a shooter of that caliber. One thing I would like to see Kerr do, you know, if I'm them a little bit, I would put him in some mm-hmm. back screen situation a little bit. I'd make him a little bit of a screener. Um, yeah. Just for the fact that, you know, they're not going to leave him, so that'll open up maybe some easy baskets or whatnot. The other thing I, I think they need to do um, is, you know, the more the ball moves with them, the more they can get Cleveland into closeout situations instead of attached to their bodies. I think bodes well yeah. for them. You know, getting these guys, Dolovadova and J.R. Smith and Shumpert, running out and closing out on these guys, you know, and putting the ball in the deck and getting to the next guy versus, you know, Shumpert and Dolovadova literally attached to Steph Curry's hip coming, coming around a, you know, a flare screen or a pin down or something like that. I think getting these guys in closeout situations, um, you know, can get them off their bodies a little bit and, and free them up, I'd say. Yeah, no, I agree on both points. I mean, that's certainly what Cleveland's plan is. They're, they're attaching – you know, we call it they're tagging they're tagging those two guys hard and they're making life difficult and i think i think you're right i think you know and the other thing every anytime you can use a, a great shooter as a screener i think you're gonna you're gonna get him open more and you're gonna get e- really easy looks for guys that can't create create on their own um i think draymond green's come out here and played pretty well early he's a uh, i mean i love him as a player he's a tough guy maximizes everything that he has uh, and you know at a somewhat undersized kid and Tristan Thompson is just he's just amazing I mean he's I, I, I don't I, again I don't follow the NBA in the regular season but the last in the playoffs and then against the Bulls and just dominate I mean I don't know how many tens of millions and more dollars he made in this run but it's, it's a lot and it's just hard work it's not like he's a, a real skilled guy he's just a, he's just a, a ridiculous worker on the glass you know uh, Freddie Hoiberg at all by chance um, that's a funny question. You know, I, I think they're looking for a high school. Um, and, uh, so I think, uh, you know, uh, I think they're looking at different neighborhoods. I don't know him personally. No. Um, you know, I, we were lucky enough to, to, uh, to coach, um, uh, Bill Wennington's son, Robbie Wennington at Loyola. He was a great kid and what a great family. And, 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 and so, um, you know, uh, 
I think he's. I think it's for a whirlwind for him. I know he has a junior son, and he's got two seventh graders. Um, and I know that the junior is a very good basketball player and golfer. So I think they're trying to figure out where they're going to high school. It, you know, it seems like a very good hire for the Bulls. Um, obviously, a kind of a shift in philosophy, but uh, he obviously is uh, a great coach, and uh, I think he's going to do a great job. So let's uh, let's get some publicity out for the Loyola men's. Uh... Basketball, <laughs> Loyola men's basketball team. How are they looking right now? What are you guys? What are you guys doing? Uh, you know, we played in Riverside Brookfield. We're lucky. We've been out of school for a while, so we've had uh, we've had uh, 11, 11 days of practice, and I think we've had fifteen actual practice sessions. We had a couple doubles, a couple days just to get our skill work in. Then we play at Riverside Brookfield, and uh, I, I love our team. I mean, I, I really like our guys. Our guys just are, are really good workers. They're very coachable, um, pretty tough guys, uh, fun to be around. Uh, so, like every team, we're a work in progress. We return two really good guards with a lot of experience from Mar Evans and Brandon Donowski, and then guys that have to have to uh, you know get all this experience over the summer, and and then uh, you know. But uh, we're moving forward really well. And the and the, and the uh, Lady Ramblers have had a four and zero start to their summer okay. this past. Uh, this past weekend, so um, they're looking really good too. So, so is that uh, is that coach, coach any? Coach that, does an amazing is, job with that team. Is that, is that coach any good? He's the best. Oh god, he's <laughs> the best. His <laughs> game's some, not great, but he's a great coach. Sometimes when I watch those games, man, it's hard. <laughs> you know, I I love giving I love giving pointers to to. to to our high school fan base, and and there are some out there, believe it or not. Um, if if, <laughs> if 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 you were to tell your team, like if your if your team's watching this series or watching this mm-hmm. watching this game, even in particular, what do you hope they take away from it? What 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 would you want your team looking at? And and if they're t- if they're taking something away from this game, um, is it like off the ball movement? Is it what, what would you say? Hey, pay attention to this, guys. Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. We actually, you know, on uh, Monday morning we spent about 25 minutes talking about the series, and we talked a lot about Dolvadova. I mean, uh, uh, for me it's important that our guys are able to relate to somebody who's kind of like them. Um, you know, we don't have six feet athletic guys. You know, we've got six-foot guys um, that have to maximize every ounce of their ability, and I think that's what he does. Uh, you know, just in that in that in that second win on Sunday, he just did so many little things. So, I mean, the biggest thing that we talk about are our guys, besides the skills of all and the offensive defensive stuff that obviously we work on, is just all the intangible things that you can that anyone can do and that we have to do to be successful. You know, we have to we have to box out, we have to rebound, we have to take charges, we have to dive on the floor for loose balls, we have to get deflections, we got to trace the ball, um, we got to stay in a stance, we got to make free throws, all those things that we can control, and I, and then obviously we have to play really, 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 really hard, really, really smart, and and, and as a team, and so that's why we've been somewhat successful over the years. Um, I think it transitions also to after basketball. You learn those lessons. I mean, it takes you a long way in anything that you do. So. Um, that's what we talk about. And so any, any time that there's a something that comes up on TV or uh, there's an article, we, we spend a lot of those teachable moments talking about that stuff. That It's not just basketball, that, but kind of transitions to life off the court. Um, I think that's our, that's important for us to do. I think it's our job. I think it's um, – and then I think um, I think they get a lot out of that, and they understand it, especially our guys. Our guys are 
high IQ guys, and they, they understand the end game of, of, of athletics also. So, um, you know, but the, the other thing is, they're kids, and, and they want to talk about Steph Curry. Um, it's actually talking uh, to Coach Melmati from Fenwick the other day, and he was talking to his son. His son is going to be a senior at New Trier, and he said, uh, he asked him if he liked uh, Adele Vidal. He said, no, I like Steph Curry. He said, well, um, you're not you're not that good. You, you should start to like you should start to like a guy that is a little bit more like you. Right. Um, and so that was sort of our message too. And it's not not saying that we're not we don't have good players, but we're trying to identify and, and play within ourselves and still kind of be the best possible player we can be. Uh, and Tino uh, Tino Malmati is a very very good player. Absolutely. And then Sam, if if I don't mind, if you don't mind. As a guy that played D- at Illinois and Bradley, some D one ball. If you're in high school right now and, and you're a high schooler listening, you got you got um, you got some great advice here. What would you say as a player that that got to move on to the next level in this in this off season and and travel tournaments and 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 stuff like hey, that? You. Yeah, what kind of work do you have to put in to really take it to the next level? Well, you have to put in a lot of work um, individually, but but here's one thing I'll say. Um, team success the better your team does the more you'll get noticed um and i was a living example of that um when i was on the illinois wolves travel team um yeah i was a starter um yeah i was an important piece but i averaged six points a game in three years you know but i was playing with Dimitri mccammy and evan turner and guys that and we were a top five team in the country so wow. i had 150 coaches at each of my game because our team was good and i wanted to win so all my my moxie, my toughness, my intangibles, that stuff was all seen by, yeah, coaches knew I could shoot, coaches knew I could dribble, coaches knew I could do this and that because I worked at my skill level at such a young age. Um, but that's when I, you know, my intangibles, my toughness, my, you know, defense and ex- what, what you want to call it, all that little stuff, my moxie got noticed because of our team success. So if I had any advice to high school players, it's, you know what, buy into your team. The better your team does, the better you'll do. Um, and just put in extra work. You know, you can't show up to practice from two to four and come at two, come at one forty-five yeah. and leave at four fifteen. You know, um, I was a big guy on that. I wasn't the most talented, so I had to, I had to get a rhythm. I had to be in the gym thirty minutes before practice, two hours after practice, three hours before a game. You know, I had to get my rhythm and get my shots up so I could feel good about myself and build a lather. Um, I wasn't a guy that could just show up and score, score 25 points. You know, that, that just wasn't what I was built for. But uh, my two things of advice would be, like I said, just, you know, team first. better your team does, the better you'll get noticed. And, and put in the extra work, not what's expected of you. Put in the extra work. you have anything to add, Coach? No, I mean, I, I, I'm going to pass it on to our guys uh, uh, tomorrow as well. I mean, it's stuff that we talk about all the time, but, you know, um, one thing we, we send our guys when we send our guys away from us uh, during the set, you know, we talk about all the work they're going to put in and some of that work in the weight room. But you know, the, one of the last things we say is, how many shots are you going to make before we see you in August? You know, people have an amazing game because it's something that you can really you really dictate the level of, of your skill by your own individual work. By the time they're with us, they're pretty good fundamentals. How much time do you actually want to put in with your ball handling and your shooting? Because those two things you can really improve on by yourself. And the only person that you know that 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 knows you're doing it is yourself, and you're the one that's going to get better. So you know, it's, it's good advice by Sammy. Yeah, and I, one thing to add to that, Coach, uh, is you know you mentioned dribbling and shooting, and it, I don't know if it's just me, and, and I'm not that in you know tied in with high school basketball. Um, 
as much as, as obviously you are or anymore so much. But I would say that the skill level of player now, I think it's so down. I mean, it's just – I don't know if it's just me, but I, I can't f- – I don't see that many guys that can dribble, pass, and shoot. And I say that because – College coaches are always going to take a guy that can dribble, pass, and shoot because you need guys like that on the court. You know, you can have your athletes, you can have your big guys and what you want to call it, but you, you can find time. And if you can dribble, pass, and shoot, you know, a coach is going to find a way to get you on the floor. Yeah, no, I mean, there's, 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 there's no doubt. Um, and that, you know, we, we kind of have to be that way. Um, athletically, we're not, we're not quite there. Um, and that's why you know it's one of the many reasons basketball is such a, a, a beautiful game is is that you really control that and um, team success is going to come if you improve that skill level and then you and then you dedicate yourself to each other and, and then you put in the effort and you guard. Um, so yeah, I would agree though, Sam. I mean, I think um, when you see really skilled players uh, in high school, you know you're you're kind of in awe and and you know that it didn't happen by accident. You know, I tell. I tell some of our younger guys, you know, I use some of our guys that have gone through the program that have had pretty good, pretty good runs. I said, you know, you know for example, Jack, Jack Morrison did not come, was not born a great shooter. He was born just like you. And he developed into being a ridiculously good shooter uh, or whatever other example you want to use. Um, you know, I, I usually use guys that are about 6'1", no, not 6'7". So they can relate a little bit. Um, but you're right. I think you know, I think it's in college too. You know, to be honest, I think the skill level in college is they probably go hand in you know hand in hand. If there are more uh, skilled high school players, they're going to be more skilled college players. But I think you can definitely see that in the college game. I mean, the one thing that I I wouldn't disagree with, but I think sometimes <clears throat> when you're looking at Division One schools, um, you, you know, we have guys that are pretty pretty good players, very good shooters, handle the basketball pretty well to do some things, pretty tough guys. Um, I, I struggle sometimes with the the, the Division One schools that are, are really, really trying to, trying to find the measurables. Um, you know, and obviously, Sam, you're, you're one of those guys that doesn't exactly fit that bill. You're, you're, a, you're a very skilled player who got by by being tough as hell, worked his tail off. Did all those things, um, and, and and you found a, a great home. Um, I, I found that, you know, um, they, and then I can compare it. I can compare it to when I was in Lincoln Park. In Lincoln Park, we had we had eight Division One players in five years. Um, we've had better teams when I was at, at Loyola, quite frankly, um, and we've had no Division One players, and we've had pretty good players. Um, but I respect the job that all those guys do too. Um, I, 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 I love the college game, and I love the coaches. I just think that I think first and foremost they're they're looking for athletes, and then they kind of find players that are a little bit more skilled and, and that type of thing. And, and so I struggle with that a little bit, just because I'm such a proponent for our players, and I think that they maybe deserve a little bit of a better look. Um, but obviously, we just got to do a better job to to get them that. So, thanks, coach. Thanks for taking some time tonight. We appreciate it. Oh, thanks, guys. Enjoy the game. All Always right. a pleasure. All right, buddy. Bye. Thank you. Thanks, Coach. Okay. Take care. All right. Bye, guys. All right. Wow. So far, so good. It's a huge show. Huge Sam- show. Sammy. S- Sammy had to take off. Thank Sammy you so much. Sammy left the building. Yeah. He's awesome. Oh, dude. Future star, dude. Unbelievable. He's he's definitely got a he future. He is.
You can be on Comcast or ESPN. Absolutely, absolutely. And he's with us right now. All right, and when we come back, we got Mike Jacobson from Comcast Sports. Sportsnet talking Hawks. All right. No, he ain't from Cabinaw. He's from Chalks and Dogs. That's right. <laughs> All right, on the Joe's Pizza Hotline, we got Mr. Mike Jacobson. You've seen him uh, on Comcast Sportsnet producing Cap and Haw, WGN Radio. He's been uh, Yahoo Sports. I mean, all over. Mr. Mike Jacobson, welcome to the show. Chocks and Dogs, welcome. Hey, Mike, what's going on? David, Eric, gentlemen, great to be with you on this uh, nice and humid Tuesday night here in the great city of Chicago. Absolutely. First of all, welcome back to Chicago. We know you did a little stint in uh, in Texas and California, so welcome back home, buddy. Yeah, I'm definitely glad I'm not in Houston right now, huh? Oh, jeez. A little bit, <laughs> a little bit rainy down there now. So, and uh, Los Angeles is a great stint, too, but home is home, my friend. So always glad to be back here in the uh, city I grew up in. Absolutely. Now, we were good. we were trying to make it work uh, on the last show we did. Um, we were going to talk Hawks, but, boy, that was a hectic week. Tibbs got fired. Um, you know, you had the Hawks final. Uh, th- there was something else major that went on, I think, with the Bears. That's all right. He's Ray, uh, Ray McDonald being arrested, yeah, and arrested yeah. again. Yeah. So yeah, it was uh, it was quite an eventful week in Chicago sports. And uh, as a producer and or on air talent, as uh, as you guys know, being in the business, it was a very hectic week. But it's what's the best part about being in this business? You never know what's going to happen. Absolutely, absolutely. So um, let let let's get into some Hawks. Yeah, let's do it. I was going to say you're going to be at the game tomorrow. Um, tough loss last night. Um, what are you looking for? What are you looking for out of the Hawks this week, Mike? If you if you're if you, if you're if you're an avid hockey fan and and you want to see the Hawks succeed, what do they have to do differently? I mean, well, there was no question that last night was it was a brutal loss. I mean, they score within the first within less than five minutes, they go up one nothing, but then they came out gangbusters and exactly what they needed. I mean, they outshot them nineteen to six in the first period. They just couldn't get anything past Ben Bishop, who was shook by the way, and obviously he's hobbling. I don't care what, you know, John Cooper, the head coach of the Lightning, says. Ben Bishop's hurting, and that's something that they need to take advantage of. That's something that Q tried to take advantage of. Had a lot of rebound opportunities, and that's something I think they really need to look into going into tomorrow, the rebound opportunities. They have not yet been the first team to score first in this Stanley Cup final, so that's something I definitely think they need to they need to establish early. If they can get that that first goal, even two quick goals like they did in Game 7 against Anaheim, and how they got Freddie Anderson shook up. They can do the same thing to Ben Bishop. It's a whole new ball game, and it's it's one of those things where they just need to get a little bit better spacing, attack the net, and put the, put the puck on net just like they did in the first period, and just hope that some of those fall so they can get out to that early lead. Uh, defensively, they're just they're, they could be hurting. Uh, Johnny Oduya, he's going to be, they're already down to basically four and a half defensemen for the most part. And uh, Johnny Oduya, he was uh, he was banged up yesterday. Q said today that he'll be reevaluated tomorrow. More than likely he'll go, but who knows how bad that hand injury is too. So I would definitely look out at again, and that's been a theme throughout the entire Stanley Cup playoff: the defensive depth and whether they can get out to that quick start. It, it's funny because you you uh, you, you alluded to uh, Ben Bishop a little bit, and and boy was Twitter and the internet on fire about his. Uh, his his diarrhea issues. Um, <laughs> is there any truth to that? I mean, what's the deal? I mean, he, is he injured? What do you, what do you think? What do you think is going on there, bud? To be honest with you, I, I think that was just a, that was a Twitterism right there. I, I don't think he was heading to the to the dressing room for some Metamucil or uh, 
to eat some rice to plug himself up there. Uh, I, I, I think he's hurt. I think it's honestly, I think it's a groin injury. Because if you actually saw the way that he was laboring yesterday, was really having a tough time going side to side. And normally, when you see that with with a you know with a goaltender, it, it's a groin injury, and that's what it looks like to me. And those are not easy, especially when you have to be as flexible as a, as a goalie needs to be, especially this time of the year against a sharp shooting team like the Hawks. <laughs> so I, six, I legitimately seven, think that he is injured. I think it's pretty comical the way they've been going about this. <laughs> you know, and he, you know, he said yesterday, um, you know, I'm being like Marshawn Lynch and not answering any questions. And head coach John Cooper's come up with a million excuses, including during the game last night. He said, well, why is he getting up? Pierre McGuire asked him, well, why is he getting up so slow? Well, you know, he's six seven, so, you know, those tall guys, sometimes it's hard for them to get up that quick. It's like, come on, who are you crapping? You know, that's your, that's typical hockey, the upper body, lower body injury. I mean, I could have a brain tumor and they'll call it an upper body injury. So that's just, uh, that's the nature of, uh, that's hockey, baby, as Kaner says. Uh, so I, I think he's legitimately hurt. Um, but, it's, you know, I'll tell you right now, they're back up. 20-year-old kid, that, that that's a guy you don't want to mess with either because he's, he's very – a lot of people think he's better than Bishop. So they, they've got some solid goaltending. So regardless who's in net, um, it's going to be – it's not, not going to be an easy series. It's a good young team that's going to be around for a long time on the Eastern Conference. Yeah, I, that – <laughs> diarrhea that's that's too funny i know um, yeah i mean come on I mean, I it would have been a funny story if he would have came out and said it right said, yeah <laughs> buy the squirt you know and that's what happened and you know i you know fixed that up and because i mean could you imagine being in goalie pads oh. having uh some issues like that and things terrible. running down your Ter- leg and terrible. whatnot and what have you that would have been great if that that would have been the, probably been the story of the sports world if he actually would have came out and admitted it but you know I, I personally don't think that's what it is. It would have been great for all of us to say who actually did say that. It was the actual truth. Totally, yeah, that's bad. Hey, Mike, <laughs> do you are you are you worried at all about Kane at all? I, mean, I know everybody's gonna say he's gonna come up big in, in in a big big game. That's the way he is. That's the way stars are. You know, even if you look in the NBA, they show up in big time moments. Are you worried? Mm-hmm. At, are you mm-hmm. worried? Are you worried at all about him right now? Uh, no, to be honest with you, no. I mean, he, he, his confidence between him and, and Johnny Tate, it just never gets, it never wavers. I mean, he got shot, he had no shots on goal in game two for the first time, in, or the second time, just the second time in 112 playoff games. So then he bounced back a little bit last night, just like everybody who in that, in that first period had a shot on goal. Well, he had three shots on goal to start the first period, and then he disappeared again. Um, I, I think as the series progresses here, and, and tomorrow is obviously a huge game. You don't want to go down 3-1 heading back to Tampa. Uh, that, that's really bad news. But we know how Q is. Q always seems to make adjustments at the right time. And they thrive. This team absolutely thrives, Eric, in, in the games 4-7 to seven in the playoff series. They're 40-17 and 17 under Coach Q in the playoff games 4-7 through seven since he's been there with the Blackhawks, and he's only 30-30 and 30 in the first three games. So it's these last, you know, the last you know, game four, five, six, and seven is where his teams thrive because that's where he always makes the proper adjustments. Some of them you look at and they don't work, but he's a gambler. He loves his horses. He loves his ponies. He's a gambler. That's what he likes to do, tweaking the lines. And, you know, he split up Kane and Taves last night and then eventually kind of went back to him a little bit. But eventually, they're going to get a figure out. And Kane, you can't stop. He's by far the most electrifying player 
in all of hockey. So I, I'm not too worried about him. No, I'm not worried about him. I would be more concerned about the defensive depth, which has been something that's been an issue throughout the playoffs. But now you got a team that doesn't try to out-physical you. They can actually skate with you. So that's what makes you concerned. Gotcha. But I, I wouldn't paint her. I would not worry about him at all. I mean, come on, it's Tainer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Absolutely, the stars show up big. Uh, uh, at Jacobson Radio, that's Jacobson uh, S E N Radio on Twitter. Uh, it's a Look good follow. You're getting the right spelling out there. Hey, absolutely, sir. That's how I was what trained. A, what a guy. <laughs> um, let me. Uh, let me. I. I, I want to just ask one more question. I don't want to keep you. I know the game's on. You got work to do, um, but. What can we look forward to? I know you produce uh, Cap and Haw. What do we got coming up on Cap and Haw? Let's plug that. And uh, do you have any uh, shifts we can catch you on at uh, WGN at all? Uh, yeah. Well, tomorrow on the show, we've got uh, Steve Conroy of Comcast Sportnet. Sportsnet, uh, you know, analyst for CSN Chicago, who does a great job. Call him the Silver Fox. He probably has the best gray hair in sports media in the Chicagoland area. So you can check him out tomorrow. He's going to be on. Also have... Uh, also going to do a little bit of NBA hit with Jared Greenberg. He's from uh, NBA TV, Sirius XM Radio. He's great. He's actually in Cleveland right now. So we'll recap uh, game uh, game three here in Cleveland and see how that's going. It looks like, I mean, who knows? The Cavs, they could actually pull this thing out. So that, that series is getting more and more interesting. The more injuries they sustain, the better they get. And then uh, we'll actually be speaking with Jed Hoyer, GM of the Cubs tomorrow as well. Kind of get a recap of their uh, the big draft the past couple of days here rounds eleven through forty or tomorrow which are kind of yeah but uh, the first uh, the first two days of the draft were pretty big you know plus they just signed Rafael Soriano to a minor league deal you know maybe could you know fix up that closer situation that the uh, that the, the Cubs are uh, loving right now, it not, uh, loving it Mike. Not, uh, yeah, they're dealing. They're dealing with the tough closer situation. So yeah, just tune in seven twenty WGN Radio. It's, uh, it, it's basically all at random times. Uh, it, it could be could be during the week. It could be afternoon drive, and then it could be on a Saturday morning. So I do news. I do sports. I do a little bit of everything. So you can always find me there. And then uh, if you've missed the show on Comcast, the Captain Haw show from nine to noon, we uh, we always do the rewind at night, which is the best of the show. It's about an hour long usually runs on Comcast or Comcast Plus at 10 or 11 o'clock at night. So be sure to tune into that, too. Did you guys have uh, Adam Johns on yet? We're about to right now. He just called in. Yep, he's going to be on in a few. Should we uh, Should we pass a message on? Yeah, I saw that fool. I said, oh, I love that guy. All so right, we'll do. Uh, I've done Sports Talk Live with him. I've recorded a podcast with him, too. So you know, I'll let you get to these guys. So uh, Thanks, tell, uh, make sure you tell John that said what's up. Excellent. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate your time tonight. Thank you so much, Mike. I appreciate it, buddy. All right, man. All right, thank Thanks, you, sir. I'll talk to you. Yeah, Thanks. Yeah. Bye. You're listening to Chalks and Dogs. We're talking hockey. Scott, you there? Yep, it's me. What's going on, man? How are you? Good, how are you? Good, good. Uh, you, I'm with Dave. You're listening to Chalks and Dogs. Um, so we're just going to get into a little bit of some hockey talk. Uh, what, what, can, can we do? Can we get a little? Uh, are you worried about Kane at all? We were talking to uh, another uh, analyst, and you know, it seems like he cu- he comes up in big situations. And are you worried at all about him, Scott? Or you think he's just going to come up big in the next few games? Yeah, I mean, the one thing about him all year, he's been really consistent. I mean, this is only the second time all season that he's had a, a three-game pointless streak. So, I mean, it just speaks to his consistency. Where um, I mean, it's rare for him to go, you know, go this long without scoring, without an assist. So. Um, the odds are 
eventually he breaks through. But you know, I'm going to credit the Lightning. They they've been able to keep him down and um, you know really kind of made him um, you know whether it's been on the power play or, or five on five, just he, he really hasn't been able to get it done yet. So um, I, I don't think the Blackhawks are concerned. I mean, they, they come to expect him to step up in these sort of games. I mean, when you look at games five, six, seven, those sort of things, those situations, uh, he usually brings his best hockey. So. Um, yeah, I don't think the Blackhawks are concerned. You know, I, I think they they do need to get some more scoring from someone, whether it, whether it's Kane or Taves or I mean, Sharp's gone 12 games without a goal, and Bickles obviously hasn't scored yet in the playoffs. So um, there's a bunch of areas, but they, they need to score. Uh, you know, at, throughout the first three rounds, they they were you know the goals are coming pretty easy, and now uh, it's a little bit harder. And um, some of just maybe converting too. I mean, there were a lot of chances, especially in that first period yesterday, where uh, you know some open looks at the net and just uh, you know just couldn't finish. So. Um, I think the Blackhawks like what they're doing, but uh, they, they certainly need to find someone who can finally put the puck in their net. You're listening to Chalks and Dogs. We're talking to Scott Powers at ESPN. Shy Powers, again, at ESPN. Shy Powers covers the Blackhawks for ESPN Radio. Oduya, is he hurt, Scott? Uh, he, he was hurt at some point yesterday. He uh, he missed you know like eight minutes of the second period, came back for the third period, played five minutes. Uh, Joel Quirrell said today that, he, that he's fine. He thinks that he'll be fine for for Game Four. Uh, he'll be reevaluated tomorrow. Uh, it was the uh, the very general upper body injury, so we don't know exactly what's wrong. But um, it, it sounds like he should be back on there. You know, back out there for the morning skate tomorrow and playing Game Four. Um, what do you think is um, what do you think is is going to be the the biggest key to um, to the Hawks winning this? Is it going to be Sharp needing to show up. Is it? Can we play four on four? Can we do just uh, Taves and Tara Vine in that four on four line we saw the other night? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I think there are a lot of different. I wrote, I wrote something just for tonight about. I think three of the keys are um, one one. They have yet to. I mean, they've led for a total of six minutes and nineteen seconds in the three games. So um, you know, two things that make the Blackhawks so you know they've had been successful throughout the playoffs is one they they jump on teams early. I think they're nine and one when they score first. The other one is, you know, after they lead after two periods, they're pretty much unbeatable. Um, they're 32, 32 and 0 all season after they lead after two periods, and they've yet to been able to do either one of those things. So I think jumping out to a lead will be big. And you know, holding on to it, the Blackhawks struggle to. Um, there have been you know stretches this this postseason where they just they they, get, they they score a goal and then give up a goal. I think it's eight times now that they've scored a goal and then allowed the point to score goals back at them within two minutes. So. Obviously, happened really quick there in game in game three where they score. Sod goes ahead. They put off. They go ahead two to one, and then they come back and score within 13 seconds. And um, you know they're saying it's not a lack of focus, but there's something there when it becomes a trend. So um, you know the Blackhawks need to protect themselves from doing that. And I, I think you know we talked about Kane and Caves and all those guys. They should need more production. And then uh, I think the third thing is Corey Crawford. I, I think Crawford sort of uh, you know that game one's what you kind of expect from him at this time of year. In the last two games, he was pretty pretty average where his save percentage was uh, was pretty low. So, um, you know, one of his you know best attributes during the regular season was he was just consistent. You know, outside of Pecorino, he was the most consistent goaltender. Not that he was the best goaltender, but, uh, you know, there's one of those advanced potentials called the quality start percentage. And it's kind of like baseball. You know, how often does a guy give a chance, gives his team a chance to win? And, and Crawford was second to that during the regular season. So it just it spoke to his consistency. And um, I don't think you've seen that the last two games. So um, not that he has to steal every game, but, um, I think he needs to do better than what he's been the last two games also. Can the Blackhawks do anything to prevent uh, Victor Hedman from making such an impact in this series? 
Yeah, it's hard. I mean, it's, it's sort of uh, sort of like Duncan Keith. I mean, you know, opponents struggle to keep him out of you know having some kind of impact. It's uh, uh, you know, John Cooper keeps on calling this Victor Hedman's coming out party. He's uh, he, he's a big defenseman. He can skate well. He can obviously make some plays offensively, defensively. He's done it. You know, he's been paired up often with the, the Cannon Tays line in the first couple games, and um, you know, he, he gets tough defensive assignments and. Um, he's still a young kid too, and you know, a kid that was actually left off the Olympic team from Sweden about a year ago. And um, I, I think you know, it's hard. I mean, the Blackhawks. I think the one thing the Blackhawks need to take advantage of is try to. I think by taking Kane and Caves apart, they try to create some more balance. I thought that the Kane Caves, uh, Kane or the Saad host of Taves line was pretty effective yesterday. But they need to find a way to get Kane, uh, Kane going. And um, obviously, Bickle hasn't been the answer. I think Richards has played better, but. Um, you know, the more you can keep away those guys from Strawman and, and Hedman, you know, the chances are better, better for the Blackhawks to get, you know, get some scoring opportunities. You listen to Chalks and Dogs. We're talking to Scott Powers, covers the Blackhawks for ESPN, Chicago. Um, how do you feel about Van, uh, Van Riesdyke Reeds, Reeds, playing? Um, he hasn't played since November. Now he's playing in the finals. Any, any rust there? Yeah, he was, you know, I asked him about it yesterday, and he said he was a little bit surprised that there wasn't more rust. You know, he he, he got out there, and it, it's tough, especially the amount of minutes those guys get, you know, whether, whether it's Kamiski or Rumblad or, or team, and then it was, you know, it's, it's a couple minutes a period. You're, you're, you're getting out there maybe, you know, four or five minutes, you'll sit on the bench, and then you're thrown back out there for a 30-second shift. And, uh, yeah, Ben Reams, like you said, he felt pretty good, and he looked comfortable. You know, I mean, you can, you can tell him sports where maybe he loses uh, – uh, you know, board battle and, and, and just, you know, why being able to capitalize on the puck a little bit. But for the most part, he kept it simple. Um, you know, he, he's a smart player. He, he uh, you know, he, and there's one shot on net that he had that kind of created a rebound opportunity and, you know, kept things simple, didn't try to do too much. I think that's what, you know, that's what made him effective when you, when you look back at October and November. Um, you know, he just, he kept it simple, did the, did the little things. And um, I think he was gaining confidence in November where you started to see some more of that offense. But, um, I think Quinville, and especially in that third period, there you know he started to show him more trust, and you know he doubled his minutes there in the third period, and um, he, he's not going to carry on that you know the load, load that Roosevelt was probably like 15, 16 minutes, but the more minutes you can get, you know, it's better to get those guys breathers, those top four defense, or they've been you know so much wear and tear over the last two series that you know if you can put someone else off even for a few more minutes, I think it can pay dividends. At ESPN, Powers dot com. That's C H I. Powers on Twitter, not .com. What am I doing? Yeah, what, what am doing? I doing? <laughs> I got bu- I'm pressing buttons. I'm doing things. Uh, Scott, let me uh, let me ask you, um, the Hawks, you cover them, uh, ESPNChicago.com. Um, are they rattled? Are they rattled after losing this game at home? How 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 much is this going to affect their play moving forward? No, I think this is the one, you know this team's been through a lot of different situations, and I, I think that's. Um, you know, going back from 2010 to all the way now, I mean, there's a club group that's been through a lot. But even the last three years, I mean, you know, from Saad to Shaw through, all these guys have gone through, uh, whether it's the Red Wings series coming back from the 3-1 deficit or um, obviously, you know, being down 2-1 against the Boston Bruins in, in, in 13 in the final. Um, you know, they've been through a lot of situations. And um, so I don't think they're rattled. I think they realize they need to play better. I think there's some frustration over yesterday's game where um, they thought they played well enough to win and, and certainly didn't. But, um, no, I don't think this team gets rattled very often. You know, they've been in a lot of, lot of series. You know, whether it's gone six, seven games. I mean, they faced elimination multiple times, and they've more often than not come through in these circumstances. So, 
I, I think that experience is something they lean to, and the fact that they have so many guys, even guys bringing, you know, newer guys like Richards or, um, you know, Desjardins or Vermette. I mean, these are a lot of guys who have been through a lot of circumstances and you know, been through these scenarios. So, um, And then even the younger guys kind of feed off of that. So I, I don't think there's any panic in that room. I, I think there's an importance to win game, game four and, you know, not having to go back to Tampa down down three to one. But um, I don't think panic or, you know, a worry would that be the kind of, you know, the right, right way to describe it at this point. Do you feel they're going to be down three to one going into Tampa? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, it's easily you know just it's hard to predict. And I, I thought the Blackhawks for the one uh, won the last game they had in, you know lost consecutive games all all playoffs. Um, you know the fact that every game has been one goal it tells you how close this is. You know it's um, you know it, it's Holsa hits the net or Taylor Taravina hits, hits the net in the first period and that, and that game goes the Blackhawks way so. Um, there's such a luck factor in that, but I, I think the Blackhawks do a lot of the same things they do in, in game game three. You know, you, you had a you had a great power play. You had uh, you had the five on three that killed off for a minute and a half. Um, you know, they did a lot of good things, and I think you continue to do that. And uh, more often than not, especially the Bishop looks in, in the in that first period. If you're going to put 19 shots on someone on that in the period, uh, more often than not, you're going to score multiple goals. So I, I think if the Blackhawks play like they did again. Um, you know, I, I think they can win, win game four. Absolutely. And I got to recommend this article. You, had, you have a great write-up, a uh, great article, Blackhawks, three keys to game four. Uh, you can check it out on ESPNChicago.com. We just retweeted it, uh, at ESPN Shy Powers. Uh, Scott, we can't thank you enough for coming on, man, and taking time out of your evening. Yeah, no problem. Anytime. Yeah, we appreciate it, Scott. Take care, man. Take care. Right. That was Scott Powers. Great get. Huge, yeah. huge, huge, huge get. That's my that's my line. Huge get for us at Chalks and Dogs. Um, I, I with the NHL playoffs, do they get it done? I'm just gonna keep. They're tough. The Blackhawks are tough, so tough. They're so resilient. They have that attitude where they're never gonna die. You can never count it. You can never count them out. God, man, I can't bet against them. <clears throat> I, you were right over there, brother? <clears throat> what the hell's going on? I'm just trying to get something out of my throat. That's what she said, right? Whoa. Whoa, whoa. whoa. We're keeping it family friendly, family friendly. Yeah, we're keeping it family friendly today. Yeah, I, I mean, that's that's insight. I mean, this is, uh, I mean, you're talking, you're talking, you got Comcast Sportsnet guys on now. You got, yeah, ESPN report, beat reporters. Um, that's all I got. I love, the, I got. I love the little slow jams. I love it's, the, a, like it's, better than, it's better than that baby crying. <laughs> that was crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The baby crying was funny. That was fun. That was fun. But no, I. The Hucks have to be. I mean, I don't think they're rattled, dude. They got to get this one. I think. I don't think you can go to Tampa three one. Yeah. No. I, Not I, in the finals. You know what? If anybody could do it, the Hawks can. But it's tough. tough it's man. tough. It's tough. Because they've, 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 they've I, like I always say, I don't watch that much hockey. But it's a bounce here or there. No, but it's in, in any sport, dude. If you got, if you've got to win three games, no, that's what I'm saying. It's a bounce here or there, and yeah. it's been so close. I don't. I mean, it's just tough. They have to win three. It's like anything. You got to win three. Two of them on the road. I know. Two of them on the road. It's a huge game. That's tough. It's, it's huge tough. tomorrow. It's not like baseball where you got a different no. pitcher coming out. And it could be. You have to come out with your guys, and you gotta you gotta show up. 
And these guys, you're two-time Stanley Cup champs. Granted, it's a different team than the other two. But your guys got to show up. The guys that, are, that, that aren't showing up in this series are the guys that have been there. These guys, I'm talking to you, Taves. I'm talking to you, Kane. I'm talking to you, Sharp. You guys gotta step it up. I mean, we're sharp. There's, I mean, what's he doing? Banging Cheryl Scott? I don't know. And I, and I love, I love Shaw, but there's no reason that Shaw should be looking at an MVP in this series. No offense, but when you have Kane and Taves and and Patrick Sharp in your lineup, Taves is your guy. You said he's gonna. You I, have to. Uh, Kane has to show up. Though. You have to show up. You have to put the biscuit in the basket, and you have to you have to be a big time. Duncan player. Keith's playing out of his freaking mind well, right Duncan now. Duncan Keith, I mean, these are there again. You got your core guys, right? I mean, you you look at Taves, Kane, Sharp, Duncan Keith. I mean, this is your Pippen and Jordan and you know Rodman. I mean, this these are your guys, and they need to show up. They need to grab this by the horns. You need a quick start, and you need to finish. You need to finish. You have to. Um, but they don't need me to tell them that. They know that. I mean, these guys, you know. But it's 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 a struggle to watch a game, watch it, watch these guys, watch them start out slow, and it's 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 tough. It's tough when they when they don't come out fast. You got to jump to an early lead. You got to hold it. You know, that's all there is to it. At the end of the day, that's all there is to it. Yeah, that's I agree. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. And you know, these guys said it best too. You know, Mike Jacobson and, and Scott Powers. He doesn't see that they're worried. You know, both of them said it, but I think Scott Powers said it best too. That you had, they better they start they gotta show up. Yeah. In this next game. Yeah. What's Sharp doing though? I don't even know. I Is don't he know. there? I don't know. He had two of the worst penalties in game two. Yeah. That I've ever seen. Yeah. It's brutal. Yeah. Brutal. I think that do you think they're better off without him out there? I I don't think so. No, I don't think so. I, I think you got to have your guys. I think when push Crawford's playing show, well, Crawford Crawford took on a five on three. Um, he took on a five on three for a minute and a half, and it was crazy. We're listening to Chalks and Dogs. We're gonna get in some Bears talk. Can I get this right this time, Adam? <laughs> Give it a shot. All right, Adam Johns. What were you calling him last time? Uh, he was going with the Swedish version, I believe. I was, yeah. yeah. I hey, before we, before we get into some bear stock, um, Mike J- Jacobson was just on. He he keeps he was talking great stuff about you. <laughs> I know Mike. Who I, I've done a lot of shows with him in the old. Uh, the old cap show on, on the game or whatnot, cap and all. Absolutely. Yeah, he says you look like Dave's cousin. <laughs> I've never seen I've never seen Dave's cousin, but that's that's the rumor. Yeah. So let's let's get it. Let's get it. Go ahead. Uh, that better be a compliment. But go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll just leave it at that. Yeah, leave it at that. Um, all right, Adam. Um, so, can we get into? Some bears. Uh, we're gonna let's let's Ray McDonald. Can we just get that over with? Uh, did the did the Bears mess that up? Uh, who took the blame? Can you get, just get into that with us for a little bit? Look, I get both sides of the argument that's out there. You know, there's one side of the fandom that says, "Hey, look, they took a chance on this guy. Um, they didn't guarantee him any money, and they cut him. He messed up." They get rid of them. And then there's the other side of the fandom that wants the Bears to be held more accountable 
for their actions um, because they they basically hired a, a serial offender. Look, I know he hasn't been, you know, charged with any of these, you know, some of these things haven't really advanced. He's been arrested for alleged incidents and stuff like this. Um, uh, he, he's not in jail at the moment. But look, it, it, to me, it, it's this. It, it, it brings the Bears' entire evaluation process under a, a microscope, in my opinion, because um, Ryan Pace vouched for this guy. John Fox vouched for this guy. Dick Fangio especially vouched for this guy. And Donatel vouched for this guy. They were all thinking very favorably of, of this guy who has a bad track record. Went to George McCaskey for him, and George McCaskey took all their opinions and then took it to his mother, and they got the approval to sign this guy. So it, it gives me doubts about what these I, I want to give these coaches and the, and the new GM a, a blank state, a blank slate. I, I really do, but too, it, it was just a bad move from the beginning, in, in my opinion. I don't know why you needed a guy like this with, with his history when you're trying to rebuild, and this guy isn't exactly perennial all-pro all player. So um, that's my take on it. Is he's gone now? I guess the Bears didn't guarantee him any money, but I think the Bears' evaluation process comes into question because. All these people vouch for this guy. Yeah, that's tough. That's a tough. That's a tough way to start out the new regime. Absolutely. Um, looking at OTAs, um, what do you see? What do you like? Uh, Jordan Mills was at uh, the OTAs. Uh, is, is, are we going to see some production out of him? <laughs> you, need to, you need to see some consistency out of him. Look, he, he's the right tackle right now. Kyle Long is remaining at right guard. And everybody wants to see Kyle Long bump out there to see what he can do because um, he is big, athletic, and, and good enough to play tackle. But Jordan Mills right now is, you know, he's got a clean slate too. Um, uh, he's had some trouble with the foot injury the past couple of years. He says he's healthy this year. This is a big season coming for, up for him. I and mean, this is a two-year starter, his first two years in the NFL. Let's face it, he's not exactly a rock solid starter there. He's had a lot of up-and-down moments. Bears coaches the, the past two years, they should have scheme plays around him because of all the pressure he allowed coming off the edge. I mean, defenses attacked him specifically because of the way, you know, he, he allowed pressure to get the color. So, big year for him. Uh, big year for a lot of guys. Guys like Sam Quellen, he's in a contract year. Alshon Jeffries in a contract year. And Forte's looking for a new deal. But the big story about OTAs and really this offseason is Martellus Bennett continually skipping the Bears' voluntary um, training program? Adam, what's up with that? What's going on? He wants no. He wants new money. He wants big money. Um, I, I get that again. Like like the Ray McDonald thing. There's there's two sides to the story. You want him to honor the contract they signed two years under Phil Emery. And the other side of that, you know, players only have so much earning power, and you know, teams can cut and release and waive players at whim. So. You know, you have to get paid while, while your value is high. Martellus Bennett's value is high. He's coming off his career best season last year. He led all tight ends in the league last year with 90 catches. He went through his first Pro Bowl. I mean, he's a consistent performer. But he was uh, part of a really bad offense, a 5-11 offense. And Matt Forte had a career year last year. But, again, it was a 5-11 offense. The Bears were abysmal. They were inconsistent on offense under color, under Jimmy Clawson when he made his surprise start. 
you got to take that into consideration. And you a new GM, you a new coach in town, so of course they don't like that he's skipping out of things. They want to see what they really have. You have a new offensive coordinator, Adam Gase, who wants to see what he has in Martellus Bennett. So it's odd for a player really to, to hold out like this when he's got two years left in his contract. I don't think the Bears are willing to rip up that paper right now, especially with the new regime in town. And really, I don't know what teams would rip up two years of a good contract just to um, get a player, so a player gets what he wants. So, um, really precarious situation. If he's not a mandatory mini camp in a week here, um, you're looking at a big time holdout. Wow, unbelievable. What do you, what do you, what do you, what's your take on that? I didn't mean to interrupt, Eric, but I always, I, I have an issue with, with guys that sign contracts. I realize that their earning value, uh, their, their earning period where they can get big money is, it's a small window and teams have the leverage where they can cut and stuff. But I mean, you signed a contract. Now, granted, these are voluntary workouts, but when guys start holding out going into preseason, into regular season, um, just your opinion. I mean, what, what are your thoughts on that when guys do that? It's bad, especially under with the new coach, you know, and the new GM and stuff like that. This is not the way to get off on the right foot, and this is a bad first impression by by, by, by all accounts. I mean, if this is the guy that's supposed to give you your new paper, you're not going to go up and meet him. Look, as far as I know, I mean, Martellus Bennett's only made a few surprise visits to Hal Song. It has nothing to do with working out or getting to know the coaches or the new staff to bump around and hang out with his teammates. So, uh, not a good situation, not, not a good look for him. Um, you know, he, he's a very loquacious guy. He's He speaks, he gets the cameras going. You know, last year he called out his teammates um, in the locker room. Let's um, not forget he also fought Kyle Fuller and got suspended by Phil Emery and Mark Tristan last year. So this guy's uh, no angel. Um, the Bears need to see what they have in him, and they, they, they can't if he's not there. It's just a bad look for him, especially with two years left on his contract. Look, I understand it if... A pro bowl player wants to do it, and he's got a year left on a like, rookie contract. But this is a guy who's been with three teams now, Dallas, New York, and Chicago, and he's going to try to do this with two years left on his current contract. I, I don't get it. Yeah, neither do I. Uh, Bears signed cornerback Tracy Porter. Can you give me any insight on him? Uh, a lot of old connections with Pace from New Orleans. Uh, to get a big interception in the Super Bowl against Peyton Manning, that victory. Um, he's got the connections with Fox. Um, really, really, it's all about Josh. It's an important position, let's, let's face it. Um, and it's a highly paid position. It's a highly sought-after position. And the Bears need better competition at cornerback right now. Look, we all start to Kyle Fuller. He's up top there. Need to figure out Tim Jennings, see if uh, Donna Duck or his magic can make him, you know, have a bounce back here, a Pro Bowl player again. Because let's face it, he was awful. Last year, he was just one of the veterans that struggled last year in, in, in mighty fashion. And, and then you have uh, Alan Ball, who's missed some OTAs because, um, you know, for again, it's voluntary. He doesn't really have to work there. He's, he's been sidelined, I think, with some injuries, um, maybe dating back to last year. But the kind of high in him, look at the money they gave him. Um, it's really rebuilding defense. So you got to get some bodies in. The Bears are still high in Demontre Hurst and Al Lewis team. We'll see what happens. We're on with uh, Adam Johns, J-A-H-N-S, at Adam Johns on Twitter. It's a great follow, lots of tw- lots of tweets, writer for the Chicago Sun-Times. Uh, I noticed on here, uh, Sports Talk Chicago, we want to get some plugs in. We want our audience to know where else they can hear you and follow you and all that fun stuff. Uh, what's, what's Sports Talk Chicago? Can you go sports into that? Sports Talk Live, right? Yeah. 
you know, Sports Talk Live, yeah. Well, it's basically David Kaplan's show, and we all sit around there and <laughs> try to annoy him as best we can. <laughs> um, it's, uh, it's a sports talk show, you know, dating back to, uh, um, it's been around for a long time now, I think. It used to be Chicago Tribune Live, and then sometimes became a partner, I, I think, a couple of years ago. We got a lot of us involved. Uh, it's, it's a good, you know, roundtable discussion about sports. Some arguments are better than others. And of course, right now, the Blackhawks are a hot topic. The Bears are always a big topic. Everybody loves talking Bears and the baseball teams, one struggling, one, you know, a young team on the rise. So, it's a great place for Chicago sports. You and you and Potash always go in that cap, right? Yeah, me and Potty, uh, <laughs> every Monday after Bears games, we got a lot of thoughts, a lot of opinions. And, and Mark Potash, he's been a sports writer in this town for like 35 years, so... He's like a walking, talking encyclopedia of Chicago sports. Yeah, he's a good, he's a good, uh, real good. I, I watch that show. It's a good show. Yeah, yeah, yeah I've really seen it a couple show. times. So, uh, Jared Allen uh, comes out and says the Bears' defense is going to be better than. I mean, they have to be better, Adam. They they were terrible, <laughs> right? Yeah, right. They're, they're, I guess it can be worse statistically. It's, I guess it can happen. You don't want to say impossible, but can you, they were. Can the, you, yeah, can you just the past two? The past two seasons are the worst defensive seasons in Bears history. I mean, you guys are fans. It's just abysmal. It was, it was pathetic watching what was going on. Do you see any – I mean, they're, they're going to improve. Uh, you know, I, I think bringing in Fangio was absolutely humongous. Uh, I, I really think the defensive coordinators and offensive coordinators are big in the NFL. I, I look at them as, you know, someone that can motivate them. Look at, like, Rod Marinelli, you know. Uh, someone like that that does you know stuff with the line, and uh, you. I mean, I, 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 I'm, my, I'm getting to you know like. It, do you see how they can just make that next step and help out Jay Cutler and them on the offensive side this year? Yeah, yeah, I know. You need, you need balance, right? You need yeah. to play. Yeah. Um, you, you need the defense to help out the offense, and the offense to help out the defense, right? You know, you have to play within the game, right? Um, so. Look, let me say this about Mel Tucker. He, he's a great guy. A lot of players on that team respected him. Um, he was kind of a fire and brimstone-like coach. He, he really yelled at you, really fired you up. Um, but he tried to run a scheme that I don't know if it really was, was his. And he didn't really have the simple scheme that Lovey Smith ran. But Mel Tucker really didn't have the forces. And when it came time for him to make the adjustments and, you know, to actually use schematics to actually coach and mold something there, um, and it just didn't happen. I don't know if he was resistant because of the personnel he had, but here comes Vic Fangio, basically without much, you know, personnel turnover, says, hey, we're running a 3-4. Willie Young, Jared Allen, they're going to learn how to play, you know, 3-4 outside linebacker. Shane McClellan, defensive end, and the strong side linebacker, we're putting him in inside linebacker. And um, so they're shaking things up almost immediately here. And, you know, just from talking to folks around the NFL, you know, whether it's scouts, former players, all this stuff, Vic Fangio might have been the Bears' best hire here just in terms of what he can mold here defensively and how creative he can be, you know, putting players in different situations. I mean, you're going to see times next, this coming season, fellas, where every single player on defense is going to be standing. There's not going to be a single hand in their defensive lineman. I mean, they're going to throw new looks and different looks at, at these Offenses in the NFC North and Aaron Rodgers and everywhere else that you know that they play that haven't you know really been seen before, especially from a Chicago Bears defense. So, and you know I think the stat is that Aaron Rodgers is 
0-4 against a Vic Fangio coach defense. So that's got to be a, a positive indicator for Bears fans. Yeah, that's 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 always good to look forward to. Um, one thing I'm not looking forward to is um, the NFC Central. I mean, Green Bay always tough. NFC North. I mean, yeah, NFC NFC North. God, am I it's ten years cent- ago? The Central with the sack. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, the <laughs> NFC North. Back, huh? Yeah, the <laughs> NFC North. We're gonna bring Tampa <laughs> back. No, but I mean the NFC the NFC North. You got Green Bay's always tough. Detroit. They've been they've been getting stronger and stronger. And now I heard AP's having a strong camp up up in Minnesota. Um, I mean, is that just another team that's going to be a, a, a team that the Bears have to worry about as Minnesota this year? Yeah, there, there's a lot of my colleagues that are very high on the, the happenings up in Minnesota. Peter King, everybody knows about him. Sports Illustrated, Monday morning, Monday, Monday let me say that right, Monday morning quarterback, uh, uh, you know, his great website. He's very high in Minnesota and everything they're doing up there. I mean, Mike Zimmer, defensive minded guy. Um, they're hoping for big steps out of Teddy Bridgewater. That's why they want AP back. They want the veteran running back to go with the young quarterback. Um, they like what they're putting together there. I mean, they've had a lot of first-round high-round draft picks in Minnesota the past few years. Um, and they're starting to blend them all together, whether it's offense or defense. Um, so you can see all the potential there. Um, a lot of big believers in Mike Zimmer again. So, um, yeah, we'll see if they can rival what Aaron Rodgers does. But um, I still think the Packers, again, because of Aaron Rodgers, they're the clear frontrunner in the division. You can never trust the Lions just because they are the Lions. But, yeah, the Bears and Ryan Pace have a lot of work to do just to catch up in terms of talent for the rest of the division. All right, well, I can't let you go without getting into Jay Cutler a little bit, right? <laughs> He's the hot topic you, of Chicago. Don't be a hater. I'm not a hater. Yeah, I'm you're, re- a, you're I'm, a hater. I'm really not that big of a hater. I, I, I just, what, what's you being around the team – uh, over these last, I'm sure, a week or two. Is there any difference? I don't, I'm not saying difference, but is there a new attitude, new look that he, you know, sh- is showing? Uh, you know, I, I think he's been the same guy since I've covered the team. You know, the teammates like him. Yep. Um, yes, the, there's not the Erlockers and the Briggs and the Tillman defensive leaders anymore. Um, so there is a turnover in the hierarchy of the team, even Roberto Garza. Is gone, but um, guys like Garza like him. Guys like Kyle Long like him. Mitch Lawson like him. Jermon Bushrod likes him. Even Matt Forte likes Jay Cutler. I mean, it's it's that notion that he's just like a despised human being in that locker room is so misconceived. It's it's just not realistic. Yes, he needs to cut down on the turnovers and he needs to improve his decision making. Yes, he is very prone to the to the worst mistakes at the worst times. That's just Jay Cutler the story of his career. He's got all the talent and all the problems on the field, you know. Um, the Bears are going to try to work with him. Adam Gates is going to try to work with him. Um, everything that I've seen looks positive. I mean, he's interacting with his teammates just fine. Make Eddie Royal laugh. Kevin White seems to get along with him. Um, this could be a big year for Cutler. Um, I'm not just saying it because Adam Gates is here. And, you know, he's a highly thought of coach, you know, who could be head coaching material somewhere. Um but, you know, another make-or-break year for Jake Cutler. He's got to start thinking about what type of, of legacy he wants to leave here other than some type of, that you know, like he's a disgruntled person all the time. You know, I, I get that sometimes when, he, when he's unhappy after games, but um, I don't know if that's truly him. But um, it, it's early, though, fellas. It, it is only June. But all the, the initial words from people is it's been positive so far, learning – um, Adam Gase's offense for Jake Cutler. 
I appreciate you reminding us that it's only June. We need to calm down, Bears fans, and uh, it's coming along. Uh, at Adam Johns, J-A-H-N-S on Twitter. Go to go, Guys, go read his articles at Sun-Times. If you don't read the paper, I get the paper every day still. I'm old school. I yeah, love it. Yeah, It's uh, sun, it. suntimes.com slash sports. Yeah, it's you, you real know, easy. Uh, but, um, Adam... Thanks for always for coming on, man. We really appreciate it. And uh, hey, as you as you were talking about Cutler, uh, Dave scribbled on a piece of paper: HOF <laughs> Hall of Fame. <laughs> well, well, that ain't ever happening. Ne- but, never, um, never. Yeah, he's kind of overdue for at least a winning season, Absolutely. Yeah. Have you have you been back to Notre Dame at all? Have I been back to Notre Dame at all? Other than come to the parking lot one day. Um, <laughs> and you know what? The, one of my favorite things of well, as football gets going, I try to get out there for many, as many Friday night football games as I can. I, I, I enjoy it. I played it there. Um, and it really sets up my weekend nights. You know, I'll go watch some high school football, maybe a little college football, Saturday, then it's off to the NFL world on Sunday. Yeah, it, uh, Coach Hennessy's a great guy. Awesome, awesome, awesome coach. Guy. Awesome. Yeah, awesome guy. All right, Adam, thanks for the time. Um, talk to you later, buddy. Appreciate it. Hi, guys. Take care. Yeah, All right. thanks. That was awesome. That's a huge mm. show, dude. Huge show. Huge, and and a long show. We're 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 over an hour and a half. So this is a long show. But we had to today, dude. For those of you guys that that, that stuck with us, uh, I hope you enjoyed it because you're not going to get any better insight. You got uh, Adam Johns. You got Sammy Manis. We start. We let off with Sammy Maniscalco. Talk to NBA. Oh, in person. In dude. in studio. Yeah, guys, go on Twitter. Follow us at Chalks and Dogs. Facebook Chalks and Dogs. Subscribe. Um, we are looking to make another, uh, make an announcement today. We are hoping to do a live show at a bar on the Northwest side of Chicago. Um, what we're going to do is have some live, live, live. You're going to be able to hear the phone calls. You're going to be able to chime everything in. We'll and have a um, wireless, a wireless mic where you can ask questions. Yeah. And we'll, uh, we're going to throw a bash afterwards. Uh, shocks and dogs bash at the bar. You know, bring your friends, family members. We'll uh, we'll let you know next week, hopefully, where it's gonna be, what time, what bar, and the show is means a lot to me and Dave. I know it means a lot to me. You know, thanks for supporting us, and uh, that's about it. So you know, we just like I said, Sammy Maniscalco was on. Uh, Levitino was that Tommy Levitino. Then we went to Mike Jacobson. Then we went to Scott Powers. And then we just finished off with Adam Johns. That's unbelievable. That's huge. We got to do our picks. Yeah, what do you want to do this real quick? Is what, this is what hey, right now, <laughs> Cleveland's up 53-43. Golden State cannot score. Every, it's unbelievable. Everybody listens to the show. They wait to the very end to hear our picks. That's why, I mean, the guests. We all pick, we all pick Cleveland. Yeah, we all pick Cleveland. Who do you like in the series? Real quick. Uh, I'm going to go Golden State in seven. I think, uh, I think I'm staying Golden State two and seven. Cleveland's playing great defense though, and um, Golden State can't score. And I'm gonna go. Uh, this is gonna be a, a killer right here. You going Tampa Bay? Nope. I'm saying the Hawks are gonna win the next three straight, win it in six. <laughs> oh my god, they could. I'm gonna stick with the Hawks in seven. I think they're going to Tampa and beating them. There we go. So those are my picks. Uh, like we said, great show tonight. Go get a pizza, joesonhiggins.com. If you want to go grab a drink, go to Scores, Scores Club at Forest, on Forest Preserve Drive in Harwood Heights. 
uh, for Dave, Ami, I hope you enjoyed it. Peace.